0: The world. The time is now, the journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We are hitting record on a cute little mini series where we're sort of stopping March to take on a little mini series. We're going to do a dive into the variables for this episode and the following three episodes. So you have four weeks of content on the podcast going through each one of the variables on your chart This is going to be so good. We've never done like an educational mini-series on the podcast before, so I'm super excited to see how you guys receive this one. Of course, I'm not bringing you this teaching on my own. I love going into the variables, but I am by no means the leading authority on it. The person who is the authority on it, as you will all be very aware, is the gorgeous Vanessa Henry. Welcome to the podcast, Vanessa. I'm immediately so embarrassed that you would say that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> can you call me that? But I mean, you can say anything you want, but yeah, I love hearing what people say, but I want you to know I'm immediately hermiting. You know, line two, but- take it back. Take line it back. two, line two. But I'm um, excited to do this because I, I wanted an opportunity to go into variable determination, environment, perspective, and motivation with a manifester focus mm. because I do notice that there are, per design type, there are certain things to be aware of as you're looking at each of the variable and now having looked at having had looked at this area for so long now and having accumulated so much data even the differences among splenic manifestors ego manifestors and emotional manifestors are apparent to me now Mm. so i wanted to do something for the manifestor community specifically to get us looking at this area because I think when a manifestor moves through radical transformation, there's a chance it could be a little bit more traumatic or dramatic Mm. than some of the other design types go through. And I think it can just be helpful, like what to be aware of, you know? Yes.
0: So agree. So agree. Thank you for highlighting that.
1: I've been kind of um, spying on your radical transformation process for a few years now and watching you kind of go through what you've gone through. And like, I would love to hear what some of your biggest radical changes have been since you've been kind of looking at this area, because, well, I think actually would just be a good second, even before we get into that, like what is variable And so many people come to the human design system and and are really looking at it at a surface level and understanding how to make a basic decision. How do I get to know my body, my authority, and move about this reality in a way that is perhaps more ease-filled? And once you're doing that, like once you know your design type, you know your authority, you are delighted by your fun profile, you've learned what your energy centers are and kind of how they function, you're ready to kind of go beyond the surface, beyond your gate, beyond your line, and looking at the colors and tones going on there that really kind of describe your personal depths. Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody engages with you and they just have a little tone, a little way they do it, we can actually see that in the design. And so I think this is one of the richest areas, one of the most fun areas, because once you start learning how to make a basic decision with your authority, you then are opening yourself up to figure out how to become more aware and how to take care of yourself. And that's really what you're learning in variable. And I find when people start to look at their colors and tones is when they start to actually have the practical texture in their experiments to make changes in their life and things can start to move really quickly and i notice among manifestors those changes can be very quick so i want to hear your radical experiment story if you don't mind like what what has changed since you've been looking
0: at this where where did i where did i go from okay okay Hold on. Let me back up to two steps as well. For those who don't know who Vanessa Henry is, I, do, oh, I mean, have you been living on hello. another planet? This is Vanessa Henry. Vanessa is a 6'2 ego manifester, has been a voice in human design for years now, right? Vanessa, how long wow. have you been in the human design stage? Like <laughs> oh my a God, long I know. while.
1: <laughs> publicly, publicly since 2017, 2018. I, okay. started, I started my first kind of like human design academy, if that makes sense, in 2018. Mm-hmm. So we are coming up on six
0: years for you in this space. Mm, 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 mm. I love that, Vanessa. I think is is probably one of the only other significant manifestor voices out there in the human design sphere. There's not many manifestors, I don't think, operating in the human design space, kind of publicly, to my knowledge. There's there? there's there's a lot of
1: manifestors but it can be hard for manifestors to stick with certain things. So typically we are all kind of in it, but then generators and projectors can start surpassing us. And then we're like, and we kind of go fuck off and we go do another thing, you know, and then, you know, so it's, so I always think it's kind of strange that I've been in it as long as I have I actually started. I I first learned of human design in 2013, but I was like in my twenties and I wasn't ready to receive it. Mm -hmm. Like, I, um, I read a book cover to cover and I felt bad about being an ego manifester and that was kind of it. And then I met my partner and then I got pregnant and had a baby kind of sort of the Saturn return. It was like, uh, I can't handle this. You know, something, it was suddenly very hard for me because I was constantly in this response position of of parenting and responding to my child. And that's ultimately what called me back to the system. And when I returned to it, the first pit place I went was variable. And I've kind of been there ever since I like to experience like the other parts of human design um, indirectly. For example, I love when people read transits because it feels like a beautiful horoscope to me. I don't want to go do that because I like to receive it from others. So it's a delight for me. Um, I love stuff with, with animals or even with dream work in human design, but I like to take it in from others. For some reason, the little area I like to get into focus and master is understanding the variable because of my personal history of wanting to be healthy, of have being a sick kid and have being surrounded by a lot of illness. My story kind of became, well, I want to understand how to be well. And human design wasn't the first thing I went to look for. You know, mm-hmm. it was um, it was one of many and is still one of many tools that I kind of use, but I haven't found anything else like human design that can kind of provide the framework of understanding that gives us answers that we maybe don't have in other fields. So I'm, I have high respect for it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yes,
1: in a long winded way, um, I've been kind of playing in this area, I would say, intensely since 2018. And that's even a surprise to me because that is long for me. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but I I just find <laughs> it so fascinating to to because each person is someone new and with new data and new people are just so interesting to me and their stories are so interesting to me. And we get so excited about this and understanding health through a different lens that it's like, then let's start talking about it louder. And I think Mm. I just needed to myself get to that kind of place before I could be like, um, a louder manifester, you know,
0: as an ego manifestor. Yes, As an (laughs) ego manifestor. Yeah. (laughs) Get loud. Yeah. I think Mm. Um, for a lot of people listening, I know so many people will be aware of your work. We we refer almost everybody to you really when it comes, Thank especially you. to, I mean, to being a, a manifesto on display, certainly. Um, but then for your work in variables, because you have such a unique take on it, such mm-hmm. a unique mm-hmm. awareness and a depth to it, which I I really relish because I think the variables are spoken about far too superficially far too lightly in a way that makes them almost, almost meaningless sometimes.
1: Well, it can make them unapproachable. For Correct. example, when you're in the determination variable <clears throat> and you're first learning about, you know, how to be well and how, to, how, how is this person going to learn? So how do they need to feed themselves kind of mm-hmm. thing? Um, people can get really intimidated when they see the information on the, that's populated on the binary. For example, they're a light eater, but they're it's populating their indirect And so they quickly go find some information and they find something that says they're nocturnal. Well, that can be so disorienting and destabilizing for a person because likely their lifestyle isn't perfectly set up for that. And maybe they're already living somewhat of a lifestyle that way, but just the language of it Mm -hmm. can be like, oh, what? I can't eat during the day. Like it's so restrictive and unapproachable that to me, it was actually just pushing people away and it was missing like what that variable actually is and how you would actually translate that. So I started to take more of, like the variable translations are very deep. And so I started to flip the emphasis on the deep stuff first, to kind of connect with people who are maybe a little bit more philosophical in understanding, people who have a lot of rightness, especially if we just think about where our world is going, we're moving from left to right. So how might we kind of play with this information in a different way than that, that is so like, step one, step two, step three, here are the rules, here's how you do it. Cause it's just, that's not the way anymore. And not everybody likes that, that I do that. I want to, I want to make that known, but I don't think that is a reason to be quiet about it. I think if it's an area that makes you uncomfortable, you should be looking there. Mm. Um, But an example of how you would look at the indirect variable, when you look at the determination and the color is light and it is a right-facing, a passive brain, it's going to make them an indirect eater. And these are people who are really like... um, consume and devouring things that light them up in a way. So what you can what you'll see these people doing is they'll be consuming things that are somewhat taboo or they'll do a lot with like sexual therapy or sexual healing or something that is like in the dark that we can't talk about or could say is shameful or even something in a psychic field or occult field or you know they they hang out in these types of spaces. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the type of information that it, that they'd be consuming Or let's say you're working with a client who has a lot of trauma. We see that a lot with indirect people. Um, They're they're typically working with those people, not maybe in a classic setting of like, come into my office in the middle of the day. You might take some people in the evening or, you know what I mean? But if you look at the actual subject matter of what you're consuming and talking about with people or helping people with, you'll notice a darkness. Mm. And it's not about a badness, but something that we kind of keep out of direct focus or out of direct light in a way. And then like on a kind of fun practical level, these are people who sometimes will just little tuck themselves in the, in the shade, you know, in the day, or like, they won't sit with a a lamp on directly above them. They might like lower lighting. Like there's so Mm -hmm. many fun things to play with that when you first come at someone and say you're nocturnal, you can only quote unquote eat at night. It's, it's so intimidating. And then you're like, okay, well I must be doing something wrong. And as I got further into this and started studying a lot on the psychology side, we really look at the personality variables, you really see how people start to make stories and develop little gilded cages and personal prisons for themselves. And they only kind of expand so much. They can only be healthy so much because they are unaware of certain aspects of themselves. So once I started seeing that, it was like, well, how might I be able to use this kind of convicting voice? to encourage people to look at it another way. That felt Mm. very shoresy in nature. And I just thought, you know what? It sounds fun. And I haven't stopped. I don't know. (laughs) I just keep going. (laughs) I'm just so much
0: here. Well, I'm glad you are. It's working really well for me. Thank you. Thank you for doing the work that you do. My um my my transformation through the variables and just I mean to be clear for everyone when we're talking about the variables we're looking at those four arrows on the top of your chart and you'll see kind of some symbols and numbers underneath them and that's what Vanessa is referring to with tones and colors so um often the variables are taught more so on that surface level of just if your arrow is facing left or right what does that mean but there's mm-hmm. a great deal of information and and nuance yeah. really underneath that um my first entrance into that really was on the determination variable as yes. looking at that digestion as it is for a lot of people. Well, we're in a food obsessed culture, right? So we're right. always going to
1: look at like, oh,
0: that's my diet. I'm going to learn about that.
1: Oh yeah. Like, so you can automatically see why we're obsessed with Absolutely. that. But I think that's okay. Yeah. I think it's okay. Because Because in the reality, the further I'm in this, the more I see how deeply malnourished many of us are. And I think that's why we're food obsessed, because we're actually not getting what we need, because we haven't fully realized that we eat more than just food. And we have these multi-levels of nourishment that we have to be considering and we have to be feeding into. And when we look at our determination color, we can really understand what that thing is that we're fed by and how we can kind of apply it to our lives in a multi-level way, like via our activities our practices, the rituals we do, not just what we put in our mouth. So, so what's true. your determination variable?
0: I, I am a hot thirst. So uh, I'm a left facing. I'm a quad left. That means all of my arrows face left. And interestingly, I'm surrounded by a number of quad rights. So oh, cool. a, several of my staff and my partner are, are all quad rights, um, which I find Let's interesting. Let's take a little pause. <laughs> Let's take a little pause. What's that like for you?
1: What's that like um, for you? Is quad left being surrounded by rightness.
0: Do you know? I actually feel a lot of pressure. I feel a lot I of pressure. Yeah, because there's a lot of kind of deference to me. People defer to me to uh, have the structure, the strategy, the organisation, the routine, the scheduling. I'm, and I think in combination with being a four six, having that six on my unconscious line, I get a lot of expectation of. Don't worry. Holly's got shit held together. Holly's got it. Mm-hmm. Right. And as a manifester, that grates on me because it took oh, me yeah. a long time to navigate the nuance of being a quad left, being splenic, and being a manifester because those things are seemingly oppositional. Right. Like I'm this very fluid, intuitive, moving being. I'm a manifester that's moving in and out of stuff, never staying at things consistently. Yet then this baseline of my energy as a quad left is that I, I have a level of routine and rhythm and structure and, and strategy to me. Um, and it took took me a long time to understand that really that strategic element of me is the foundation, that if I've got that in place, then it allows me to float way up in the air and do all of these things. And then as the season changes within myself as a manifester, I change what that foundational routine is. So yeah. that's always swapping and moving out, and I, I got to say, I'm, I'm still in the process where, when that season changes and I'm changing that foundation, it still feels really unsteady for me. I still have a lot of resistance. I come up to it, I get really angry, I get really furious that, like, but I've just put this into place. I don't mm. want it to move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because every time I move, it does tend to destabilize the quad rights around me. Right? because they're always a lot more open a lot you know they're they're less structured and so I do take on that burden of responsibility to be the one that says, don't worry, I've got the schedule for all of us guys I've got it so I'm let's still talk about uh, let's really. talk
1: about quad left and quad right then because mm, let's I see a lot of people self-declaring their quad left or quad right. They populate their birth time. They see all their variable are left-facing or right-facing. But what so many people don't know, and as this grows in popularity, your rightness and leftness is determined at the tonal level. So what that means is the fact that all Holly's tones are a one, two, or first, a first, second, or third tone on her personality and her body, that's fixing all her variable to be left-facing Had she had any four, five, or sixth tones, that would make her variable right-facing. So what that actually means is if Holly doesn't know her exact birth time, like Holly's birth time is pulling up as 5'11", had I seen that said 5'10", I would be a little bit suspicious of it. And I would be suspicious of you self-declaring your quad left because I would think that's a potentially rounded birth time. So when anybody has... A birth time that ends in a zero or a five or their birth time sounds like 1030 or 1015 or anything like that. It's a flag to me Mm. because so many people are given rounded birth times from their parents, even from the hospital. Yeah. Um, oh, I had you I was, at 8am. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just did you. Yeah. I, I just watched um the Pamela Anderson documentary. Oh, I love her. She's I a 6'2". She's Is a phenomenal good? example of her design. Yeah. If you just want to watch it through that lens, it's incredible. Totally open solar plexus coming off the roof. That's why you're hearing about her in all these places. I love the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little scene in there where they're showing the birth of their kids and Tommy Lee's like, he's born at three Oh five. And she's like three Oh two like we just do that we just do we just naturally round up and a difference of 302 and 305 matters when we're looking at this in your design and what a lot of people don't realize is they think they're quad left or they think they're quad right and they likely have a rounded birth time and they probably aren't they one of their variables might flip so i like to encourage people to focus on their color rather than their leftness or their rightness or even their tones, because I find most people don't actually have access to that precise a birth time. And they start experimenting with things that are so rigid and actually potentially incorrect for their design. Yeah. Like maybe you're not a hot eater, you're a cold eater, but you think, think about that even, and how that would change how you think you've got to do things and put things in your mouth and just the little mm-hmm. rules you're going to start to create,
0: yeah. you know? yeah.
1: So ultimately when we're looking at this, we want to be well. And in order to be well, we have to understand the human mind and what the human mind does with information once it gets a hold of it. And the reality is it starts to create these strict limiting rules through a binary system of yes, no, right, wrong, good, bad. And it can actually cause more damage. So while this is a really wonderful, rich area to play in, there is something to be aware of. Your birth time is the most important piece of information you're going to find in the human design system anywhere. Not some cool quote from Ra, not some empowering phrase from an influencer, but the exact precise moment you came out of your mother. Mm-hmm. That's the moment you mm-hmm. need to know about. And what do we do? if we don't know that, well, there's actually plenty we can do. You're not lost. You know, there's not, we just have to understand what information is, is safe to play with. And that's a big part of what I do. Um, cause I have a lot of people who are not necessarily sure of their birth time and we can kind of help them figure that out with what's safe to play with so that they can actually feel healthier and expanded in this area rather than even more confused about mm. what to do.
0: I found so much richness in, I, with my children, I I know their birth times, specific birth times, mm-hmm. but I found so much richness in just observing how my children display themselves in their yes. variables. And, you know, because at the moment they're, they're unfiltered still, especially my youngest, yep. he's only nine and he, mm-hmm. he's an indirect determination. He's an indirect eater. Oh, cool, cool, cool. What do you notice is, in him? It has been since the moment of his birth. He develops a ferocious hunger at night, mm. right? And it is, it's is—it's a cool. window. Yeah, he's a manifester. He's a 4-6 emotional manifester. He knows what the hell he wants. He knows exactly when he wants to get it. And it will be between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. It has held Absolutely. steady for his entire life that he will eat and eat and eat, usually carbs. He takes in a lot of carbohydrates during that time. And only when he's satiated will he then get sleepy and move mm-hmm. off to bed. There, there actually is a lot of anger in him when he's not Satiated when he hasn't been able to eat enough, or if it passes that window, he gets hangry, right? Like absolutely, yeah. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Yeah, but he typically does not eat a great deal during the rest of the day. He might during summer. I notice when there's a lot of a lot of light and a lot of heat, he will eat less and less and less during the day, and then pick up more later at night.
1: Let's talk about that. You Mm. brought up some uh, good things now. This is this is ultimately why I got called into this area was because I became a parent Mm -hmm. and I wanted to understand my child. Mm -hmm. And I was faced with the fact that, wow, I'm a highly traumatized person. I have to come to terms with my own traumas so I can be the most aware, best parent I can be. Really? That's what the call was. And now just imagine if you didn't know human design and your kids wanting to go gorge on food between six and eight, there's a really good chance that with you know about your own humanity and your own um, society that you're not going to let him do that because you think he shouldn't be, quote unquote, eating that late before bed. And you're then blocking him, you know, and he's Mm -hmm. a manifester. So you're Mm going to create a huge rage in this kid. Now that kid's then going to grow up and carry that rage. That rage could manifest as illness in the body or could come out in violent ways, which we know can happen to manifestors. All because we didn't have the right language to understand what our kid was actually doing and why they were actually behaving that way. I have a nervous touch kid and um, he was a very good eater as a little baby, quote unquote, good eater. He would try anything, but it was always an exciting event. Like, ooh, now we're having this. And I used to make his little baby food. It was a whole production. So he was like he was always so excited (laughs) or there'd be family come over and he's so excited as he got a little bit older and we're sitting down to have a nice little dinner, his appetite's like not there anymore. And he's not really a quote unquote good eater anymore. And I noticed he started to get up and and run around. He could get up and run around the table and then he'd come sit back down. And I was like, interesting, already fully aware. He's a nervous eater. Right. And even as he got a little bit older, sometimes he would sit and he would just shake his hands a little bit and then he would sit down and eat. Mm. And as he's now, he is, um, he's going to be eight. He um, now is fully in control of like what he consumes and his consumption. He goes and I notice as a nervous eater, he sets the mood of every environment before he does anything in it. So if he's going to go relax in a room, he's going to go set the mood of that relaxation because he's consuming and eating relaxation. If he's coming home and he's always, oh, he's going to do his little, he's very artistic color. He's going to do all his little coloring, his little arts on the table. He's going to put tunes on. He's going to put the right lighting on. He's going to get all his markers laid out. He's creating a vibe. So that he's ready to self-nourish. And I notice when he doesn't do that, when he doesn't get the energy quite right around him, he loses his appetite. He's not hungry. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. not a my good little eater or whatever I was, whatever narrative I was already pushing on him, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think this is huge for parents, especially with little kids.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And I didn't, you know, human design didn't come into my space until Uh, what, five years ago. So my, my eldest was nine, right. My youngest was four. And what I was able to see reflecting back was I did exactly the same as you. It was, this is the way we eat. I, you know, that quad leftness in me is it's very resonant. It's very correct. I am a very like rhythmic, organized, routined, had the schedule in place person. Like I, you know, and so funny that you were a little bit judgy about
1: that a few moments before. Like, you're yep. like, I'm fluid and I'm this. And I'm like, I, that's all true. You just have an active brain. You're an observed body. You have a focused view and you have a strategic mind. You're still a fucking Pisces. You're still splenic <laughs> authority. You're still this whole rich fluidity of femininity and masculinity. It doesn't go away.
0: Yes. Yes. And it's yet, when I came, we
1: understand it.
0: Correct. When I came into parenthood, especially with this pressure of, is your child eating correctly? Is your child sleeping correctly? Oh, God, Is your know. child growing correctly, right? And so I moved into a very scheduled life when that happened and certainly did yeah, feed yeah, my yeah. kids the right things at the correct times and put them to bed and made sure they were sleeping through the yeah. night and all of those things. And and looking back, I was able to see that each one of my children actually went through a major illness between 2 and 3 years old for each each one of them required hospitalization right and in moving mm-hmm. into allowing especially just that determination variable allowing them to to have ownership over how they consume not just not just food but how they consume information they don't experience illness anymore. And for me, even that process, Fascinating. you know, even having them as toddlers at that same time, reach two years old, have a major illness, be hospitalized, a, hospitalized. That was a trauma trigger for me as a person who had of gone course, through history. Correct. Yeah. I went through a chronic illness period as well. And I was reflecting on that saying, what am I doing to my children? That is creating Ooh, I got chills there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In their reality. So for, of course, for me, like for a lot of other parents, this was a really important area of human design. I immediately wanted yes. to to take this on and say, "No, I'm fascinated for it for myself, but for my children, this is pivotal. This is human
1: design is for kids. They always said human Correct. design is for kids. Raw then realized, holy shit, I've got to go through. I got to teach everybody how to decondition, and then human design became about deconditioning the adult." so that they could support the child with greater awareness. So we mm-hmm. could actually have
0: the change in the generations that we need, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, that, that access point was so simple too. I mean, I think the first thing I learned, it was about being a hot thirst. And, and it was just like a fun little light bulb moment where I went, oh, for so my whole life, I've struggled to consume cold things. My body oh. doesn't process them. It doesn't. You know, I live in Australia. It's hot for half the year, like really, Mm -hmm. really hot for half the year in Australia. I want to get into this. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would, if I drank cold water at any point in time, I wouldn't drink it in winter, but in summer when I had to, it would slosh around in my stomach and I'd feel nauseous and my body wouldn't process it. And as I got older and older, I found that I would do more like I would drink tea or herbal tea or like warmed up leftover food or... And I could process that very easily, but I still, there was kind of this whole little identity thing going on with my social network where they're like, Holly's, Holly's the strange one. Like Holly will have a hot cup of tea <laughs> in the middle of summer, like 40 degree day, <laughs> right?
1: Okay, that well, was let's, really actually, let's actually look me. at this though. Yeah. Let's actually look at what's going on here. Because if you're a hot eater, mm. your body's not really designed for a hot environment.
0: No, it's not. I struggle. But <laughs>
1: if you live in a hot environment, you're there's nothing necessarily available for you to eat because your body is not going to want to go have a steaming hot cup of something when you're sitting in the sun. It's not because mm-hmm. this body really wants to stay balanced, you know, and it wants its internal temperatures to stay balanced. So if you're hot, you'll probably resonate more with a cooler climate. You can still be shores and still live on a beach, but it's maybe rainier. It's maybe not so hot all the time. Or what you may notice is you have certain seasons, which you with a taste cognition, this will definitely influence you. Your seasons will have more feeding and less feeding. Mm -hmm. Hot seasons, cool seasons. Now on the opposite, a cold eater is going to really be designed for their bodies are going to really like a warmer climate because the warmer it is, the more cool they're going to want to put in their body. Now think about if that body is cold and it's in a a freezing climate and it's going to supposed to eat freezing food. Well, it's going to be an icicle. It's not, it's not going to feel good. So it's going to start putting in warm things just to balance because it's always wanting to balance, but it's it's not getting the same quality of nourishment, Mm. you know? So just thinking about the thirst color in general, these are people who really have a thirst for something in life. Like they have a they're looking for a knowledge, they want to quench that thirst, they go after these kinds of things, but they'll have different ways they go about doing that. And if you want to play with thirst, whether you're hot or cold, doesn't matter. If you want to play with thirst and that color, you're then starting to think about well, like, what's the hot stuff going on around me? Yeah. Or what's the cool stuff going on around me? It means the same thing. It's just a different word to describe the same thing. What are the cool kids doing around me? Or what's what's the latest hot spot? Or what's the latest hot trend? Or what's the you know, um, these people who are when they're wanting to consume some type of wellness ritual, let's say they start going to a yoga class. Well, think about how a hot yoga class might affect a cold person, a cold eater. Yum, right? Might affect a hot person differently. Oh, I hate so, it. So <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I went to one day. I, I passed out. Yeah. not for me. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to Savasana. I want to lay. And that's all oh, I want to do here. Bye. Yes. Yeah. Like <laughs> we're moving and sweating. Anyway, some people love it. Like, that's what mm-hmm. I mean. You really learn that some things are just so rich and nourishing for some people, but and the same breath can be absolutely detrimental to someone else. So why are we forcing one another to do what works for us rather than looking at the other and considering what might work for them
0: and then encouraging them toward that? Mm-hmm, you, know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that's been really helpful for me in understanding more depth about this, just as a thirst person is engaging in temperature checks with things. I
1: love the mm-hmm. temp check. Anytime yeah. there's a three anywhere kitchens thirst, I'm like, just temp check, temp check, everything, your yeah. people especially as a four, six, reach out to your people for a little temp check, just a little check-in, especially if you're in relationship with a lot of people who have emotional authority. Sometimes they can open up and share with you and get this emotional hangover after a vulnerability hangover that can be so valuable as the person loving that emotional being to just do a temp check with them. Now imagine you find out their thirst or kitchens and you could do like another temp check. How nourishing is that for that
0: person? Mm -hmm. That's so fucking fun to me. Just to love your people. Yeah. love that I find I find as a manifesto too that really helps me to manage the amount that I am consuming because I can yes Holly. You, know how, you know how we get into these spaces where like especially okay so especially when we've been coming through a creative cycle and we're on that like ramp, we're like mm, 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 yes I'm going because I've got energy and I'm here and I'm present and I'm alive <laughs> yeah, yeah and I'm the whoa, yes. and the come down of that is to me it's so multi-layered. Like we are not just stopping working on our urge. We're also Mm -hmm. sort of disengaging from all of this extra mania that we just got involved in. And for me, typically in a creative cycle, I will consume a ton of information where I'm, I just, I think it tastes delicious, right? Like it's just, it's so hot. It's so good. I'm just so, I want to take it all in. And when I come down it's into the juicy, cycle, right? Your
1: thirst, so it's juicy, it's, juicy. it's oh, so yum.
0: savoring, yeah. right? Yeah. And as yeah. I'm coming out of that into a rest cycle, I can find myself with, especially with that ego, I have to find ego, that space of like, no, I've got to keep going because last week this was great, and so it needs to still hmm. be great. Now I need to have a level of commitment, like get more disciplined, get more motivated, just show up for it, Holly. And of course, that makes me angry to do that. So. I find that regular temperature checking with the information that I'm taking in. What am I learning? What am I consuming? What am I? And this is like, of course, simple things like social media and all that stuff, but like, yeah, wh- that what totally I, plays into it. Right. What am I watching on Netflix? What things am I actively learning? What books am I reading? Which people am I talking to? What areas are, are they experts in? You're consuming all of that.
1: Always. I'd, love to go to my, I'd love to go to myself for an example here, because I'm a sound Please. color mm. and, um, I'm high sound. And a lot of the classic translations you'll, you'll hear about this is about acoustics. And one really simple one is like eat with music on. Mm. You're not going to get shit if you're eating with music on. Okay. Can we just, can we just, can we just, that might be a beautiful little thing, but, uh, but what's, and, and, and I'm sorry, that was so severe, but I do like when I sit down to eat, I will go put on some mood music. Absolutely. But what you're really looking at with the sound color is you're sensitive to volumes not necessarily loudness, but amounts. How much am I consuming? How little am I consuming? And you can really over or under eat. If you have a sound or a fifth color, whether you're high or low, you know, because you have to learn, well, when have I had enough of this person? I've been talking to them. I started to not feel good. I thought I consumed enough or am I, am I full? So the sound color has to click into their fullness and what that feels like for them. And there is this sort of, well, for me as a six line, there was trial and error to really discover what that was. You know, I, I would definitely overeat, um, which leads me into something that I don't always talk about a lot because I don't want that to be the focus. But I think people really do need to know that this can be a byproduct of studying this, is is pretty dramatic weight loss. Hmm. Um, I lost 60 pounds and that started from spring, summer, fall. And then by winter, I was in my head was like, I won't be losing any more weight because I can feel winter is like a rest season where I'm going to be kind of like hibernating creative learning. And sure enough, there was no change in weight. Then I started to get my urge because I'm gearing up for spring and I'm not eating. I'm eating non-foods. Like I'm pumping certain musics. I'm doing certain rituals. I'm doing certain things. And the volume of actual food in my mouth is quite low. And then sure enough, yep, there's your weight starting to shift again. I'll tend to drop weight around urges now because my urges are fewer and far between cuz I allow them to kind of amass to such a caliber. And um I expect now having coming out of my night my, my like deep rest is I'll go into further weight loss just by the way that you understand um what you're consuming, the way you understand how the body hangs on to energy weight and you need to do some weight releasing just by dealing with your own shit. And a lot of this is dealing with the people in your life who are toxic, who've been in your ear, who you've been consuming over and over and over. And you think you have some loyalty to them or some history to them, and you've got to be for some reason committed to them, but they're not good for you. And you know it, this is a very alienating part of the study because it forces you to come to terms with your part and role in the dynamics around you. And whether you want to make healthier changes there and Mm -hmm. radical transformation and weight loss often follows. When you come to terms with that, when you come to terms with, there are certain unhealthy things in my life, I need bigger changes than just what's going on in my mouth and variable can really actually outline that to you. So I'd like to say, this is not about weight loss, But a lot of people I work with experience weight loss because they finally understand how to self nourish in a way that they weren't doing before because they haven't realized just how evolved they are now as a human being.
0: The four line in me is both cheering and cringing. <laughs> it's like, but yes, yeah, but oh my God. Yeah. And I, you know, you are very aware that the the process that I've been going through over the last six months has been very four line focused. There's been a great focus in my life on relationships, my network, the people around me, um, and my weight has shifted. Dramatically, has it? Hey, yeah, yeah. I was gaining weight and holding that weight for about eighteen months prior to this, holding mm. on to a lot of relationships, holding on to a lot of people that were not not balanced, not nourishing me, not in correct alignment with me. And are you it... able
1: to recognize that though, Holly? Are you able absolutely. to recognize they're not
0: okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think as a four line that, especially as a four six, the difficulty is I see that, and yet. I want to retain this in the hope that it becomes beautiful again. Right. And and to be really fair, as an undefined emotional person, I'm trying to avoid the heavy emotions. I'm just trying to get away from them. <laughs> like I know that if re- this relationship breaks down, it's gonna hurt. And I don't want it to hurt. Um, but but I think that this like the the piece about the weight experience for manifestors. Yeah is so integral because we do our bodies change shape Mm -hmm. and density through our energy you're non-sacral correct non-sacral so you're completely
1: learning about that life force energy that balance so you're you i think i think non-sacrals are not not unanimously because it totally depends on the environment but you can really see and understand how underweight or overweight weight might come into play especially if you look at any other kind of open centers in the non-sacral like what's going on in the solar plexus for sure you know what's going on in the spleen what's going on the heart what's going on with all the motors actually in the manifestor um because all manifestors are non-sacral and they'll have a motor defined but just looking at that and then looking at the intensity of the manifestor aura the the transformation can be dramatic. The weight loss can be dramatic. Um, the health breakdowns can be dramatic. You know, everything kind of can get a little ramped up as we know. Um, and I like to say the transformation can be that much more beautiful.
0: Yes. You know, out
1: of the contrast of the of the change.
0: Mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. that's why
1: I think we can really impact people. For example, look at Adele, a manifester, two five. She lost a bunch of weight and we were all fucking judgy and pissed about that because she didn't inform us she was, she, her, she suddenly all changed. She
0: hermited, she hermited and did it. And then she came out and showed us what now she dealt with her shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And in that process left her marriage, right. Which was significant, Mm -hmm. significant. Significant.
1: Yes. And then processed it by mm-hmm. making her art form into an album. So again, left it, then processed the emotional experience to release it from the form, which then is releasing kind of some energy weight, which we don't always like to talk about, but we all know is a thing. Um, and she's a beautiful example of that. She really
0: is. She is. She's, I love watching her. I love it. Me too, I love her. Okay, can we do a little a little breakdown? So when we're talking mm-hmm. about the determination variable, right? Obviously the arrow can face left or right. If your arrow is facing left, that means underneath that, you're either a one, two, or a three. Yeah. So what are the what are the one, two, and the three? What do they so refer to? If,
1: if you're looking at the first variable, if it's left facing, you have an active brain. Mm-hmm. If it is right facing, you have a passive brain. What determines that is your cognition beneath that. So if you're smell cognition, taste cognition, or outer vision cognition, you're going to have an active brain but that information changes every few minutes. And that's why we need to have that specific birth time to know if that's actually what your super sense is. Because to be clear, cognition is simply a super natural ability that you have. You have this natural ability with super amazing potential. And if you feed into it with your lifestyle choices and the way you feed yourself and take care of yourself, that cognition gets stronger and you have a more pronounced and louder authority in you. You become, you know, You'll be a better informer, stronger informer, clearer initiator. And so if you then have an inner vision, feeling, or touch cognition, that will fix your variable to be right-facing, making you passive. So this is what actually changes the names of the colors. Mm. So we have the first color, which is appetite. If you have an active brain, it'll make you a consecutive eater. If you have a passive brain, it'll make you an alternating eater. And we usually translate that, oh, I'm alternating. What does that mean? okay, well, you're an appetite color. We should look at the color first. So it's almost like we start to translate too deep without verifying if we have the (laughs) accurate information, you know? Um, And the cognitions are a really deep part of the determination variable. The colors on top of that are kind of letting you know the lifestyle that you're really going to resonate with, the way you learn, the way you consume things, what's going to feed you. And that leftness and rightness is really just letting us know the type of kind of way you're going to consume content. Active eaters, I tend, I I tend to notice that they have to put something in their body before doing what they're going to do. Like before working, it's like, I need the fuel in me, but somebody who's passive, it's like, they can kind of store their nourishment and use it for when they need it. And so they may eat at different times, but what you might notice if somebody who is a passive eater and they're like, but I eat always at the same time. Well, let us look at your lifestyle. Do you have a really regimented lifestyle? Like, well, of course you're always going to eat at that time. You start work at that time, you know? So like, Let's just consider the details of what we're looking at. But if you're if you're thinking about whether you're active or passive, you've got to know what your cognition is, and then you want to just kind of enter into a process of playing with your color, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And that, that will reveal to you the way this actually shakes out for you. I don't think you actually have to know your if you're left or right. You don't even have to know your cognition if you can't get that deep measurement. Playing with just your color is going to give you enough to feed into whatever it is for you, whether you know it or not.
0: Mm. Very, 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 very correct. I love that. I love that. Um, and I think there's just—I mean, just to really drive that that point home about about the birth time and about this becoming a very restrictive topic. I know that a lot of the patterns that I see amongst people coming into human design, especially manifestors, who are coming into human design with this already this sense of I'm misunderstood. I'm kind yes, of wounded, yes, like yes, nobody's yes. really gotten me. And so there is there is a bit of a desperation. There's a bit of a panic in, whoa, this language is telling me things. I'm finally seeing myself. And so whenever they come up against something that uh, seemingly doesn't match at first, like what I was talking about, you know, with being a quad left and a splenic and a manifester, there is this kind of freak out moment. That's when I get a lot of people contacting me saying, I don't, but how does this, work together I mean you know I'm a, a splenic authority but I've also got my ego and my ego is louder than my spleen and so oh, how yeah. do I make decisions I'm and, yeah. yeah right that, that's not yeah, a no, thing yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not a thing, thing. No, no, no you're splenic and you're splenic. Yeah, yeah and I think yeah. that the, the variables is is a huge area where that starts to come out because yeah. unless you are looking at that in the correct hierarchy as you just explained it kind of doesn't compute. It, it is a like, it's very deep. It is very very deep.
1: You're literally studying your depths Yeah. and the reality is there are some people who this isn't for them and they're never going to have to go explore that. It's not for everyone. I wish it would be because that's how we (laughs) learn about being well, but it's not, it's not. Some people don't actually need to go into this, but I think if you start to hear about it, you know, right away, whether you want to or not.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To me, Firstly, as a parent, it was important. Yeah, me too. Secondly, as a person who comes from a long chronic illness background, it was too. it was important, right? Because mm-hmm. we we want to experience a place of actual wellness, almost yes. as a like that's an identity I never really got to have. So I want to yes. I want to see what that's yes. like. Mm-hmm. Um, mouthful um, there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And additionally, i I came from a medical background. I came from nursing. So I think that cool. a system, you know, this element of variables in the human design system really creates that like biomechanics aspect. We're starting to look at yeah. the physiology of the human body. we're We're even playing in like the somatics. I love that, field, yeah, right? I love that. more of that. This is to this to me, this is holistic medicine. This is mm, where we start cool. saying, who are you very specifically, very deeply as a human being in a human body? How is mm-hmm. your human body designed? And then what responsibility are you going to take for that? And that's not going to come from saying, oh, I'm, I'm an indirect eater. And so I can only eat at night. Right?
1: That's not what it is. <laughs> it's not what it is. Is. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. going
0: to have to go deeper. You're going to mm-hmm. have to understand mm-hmm. it more. So I love this So, but, that, but that's encouraging. Go
1: find out what that language means for you and look yeah. how you can discover that in your life. Here's a, a perhaps a basic, elevated and deep way of looking at that and see which one resonates with you. And then go play.
0: Go play. Go and play.
1: I think that's key for manifestors. I think it's key for everyone. But I, I started using that language because I work with the high volume of manifestors. And mm. you're right. There is a way to talk to each other. And we actually don't have to ask each other questions. People are like, yes, you do. And I like questions I'm like, no, you don't. I have figured out ways that you, you know, I even do a regular Q and a on online and I simply go, I'm talking about variable. If you want to put anything here, go ahead. And they don't ask questions anymore. They say things like, would love to know what you think about this. And they've shown me that they can, we can communicate with each other without questioning. And I find that when manifestors talk, they, they, um, like, okay, there's nothing wrong with asking a question. Okay. But there's just so we can have that kind of conversation. I noticed manifestors present things to the room mm-hmm. and they say things to the room. And then the other manifestor can kind of have a parallel monologue, you know, and they also say, share something to the room and you're kind of just speaking to the room and listening to each other. And this really, the manifestor relationship is really cool. Um, so but true. you don't have to, you don't have
0: to fucking respond. You really no. don't. and And we, we still think we do, but you, you really don't. We're not we responding to each other. I find manifestors communicate best when we're just making statements to each other. That's it. Do you ever just do this with your friends? You've asked them a question, but you've put a period on the end. Oh, like yeah. It's a statement. Oh, yeah. You know? for sure. like, it's not a question. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> or if or if I don't actually want to engage in any kind of responsiveness, mm-hmm. I will say like, you can ask me about this, but only in this specific way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm already like l- leveling it out here. How much I'm going to respond to you. We wonder why really. people hate us. You know, <laughs> we wonder why they're like,
1: you're the worst. I don't know. But lately people are very kind. And the the cacophony of the human design
0: space is lately like, wow, I love manifestors. They're just oh, like we're getting some shift, aren't we? We're getting some shift. You feel that we're- too, hey? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're getting some... Um, Some sentimentality, some nostalgia, I think. Yeah, I am not
1: willing to see anything that isn't high respect manifestor take accountability for themselves and their power. And if you begin from that place and emanate everything else out from that, it's going to affect
0: your entire universe. Well, we're initiating it, Vanessa. We're starting it. So if we want to experience a different tonality of how manifestors are referred to, we need mm-hmm. to create, we need to initiate it. Correct. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. see how it changes things. Everybody jump on board. Come and join us. Let's do it. All right. We're going to wrap up here. This was a cool look at determination. We're going to jump into um, another episode next week, all about the environment variable. My favorite. So, yes. Take an opportunity to have a look at your chart look under whether your environment variable is left or right, have a look at what your environment is specified as and join us back here for the next episode. If you want to check out any of Vanessa's work, she is at Vanessa Henry on Instagram. Of course, we'll have all the links in the show notes. Vanessa, is there anything that you want people specifically to know about what you're doing? At the moment or do you want to withhold that until the end of our mini oh
1: no 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 let me, no, tell, no. You. Let me tell you if you are looking to kind of calculate your body graph and you're like wow i maybe need to just find what this information is you can always go to my instagram and even in my links i have a body graph calculator there just through genetic matrix that you can click just for easy access and the reason i'm kind of having this conversation with holly is because through my six line manifestor process kind of focusing on this area for a few years, I've now kind of accumulated things into a space and have p- started playing with, okay, I've worked one-on-one with people. I've done readings. I want to create more of a playful, impactful space. So I opened up something called the Wellness Club, which is a space for human design lovers to fall in love with their design and to specifically learn and get more comfortable within their variable. Mm-hmm. So there, this is a, a library of videos, Um, of audio translations for specifics that's really deep but also there's this huge experiment portal in there that allows you to actually select something to do to apply this information to your life for example one of my favorite things right now um, in this portal in the experiments we have these areas uh, where you can do challenges rituals um, oh my gosh what are the other ones challenges rituals Maybe I should just go look it up. No, <laughs> mistake. I've got I've got all my like variable language in my head, but not my own stuff. Hey, what a little wiener I am. Um... Anyway, um, yes. Let me go into here. Sorry, Holly.
0: No, you take your time. We have editing.
1: I'm 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 a fan of editing. She's like, we don't do that. <laughs>
0: um,
1: we will wait on
0: the manifesto. Don't you worry. We don't. <laughs>
1: We don't. Do that now you're me, What am I doing? Wait, what was I doing? Okay, challenges, do
0: rituals. Oh my god! Yeah.
1: So, the thing I like about the experiment portal is we've organized everything into categories. So you can do rituals, challenges, adventures, or clearings. And one that I'm so excited, the sixth line of me is excited for, is there's this um, dream date challenge where you have to design the perfect date for somebody using knowing their determination, knowing their environment, knowing their senses, and if you get through that we put you on a dating adventure. And now you've got to go on a couple little dates with things to do on that date. So you either need a partner or you need like a human design bestie, but then there's a dating ritual where if you want to do this for a whole season, you know, then it's always going to prompt you to look at something different. So I wanted to make like a game. I wanted it to be fun. I wanted you to apply this in these real ways. And then this huge kind of undertone to my nature is I'm a shamanic practitioner. And I kind of, put that in the wayside, put that behind the scenes sometimes. And now I'm I'm bringing it back into the fold again, because um, this is a frequency healing technique that I like to do to help people actually move energies out of their body, you know, taking the formless, understanding the formless parts of you and engaging in some kind of inner world building activities. Because when you're deconditioning and your external world is falling apart around you, it can be really stabilizing to do some inner world building practices. So at the wellness club, there is unlimited access to the frequency bar as well. So it's like this hub of play experiment learning while some incredible healing tools available as well. So that's only open from for the whole month of March. It's closed to new members April 1. And so if you're hearing about this or you're interested in this variable series, you can go to the wellness club at vanesshenry.com and sign up. It's an annual membership, just like a tennis club or a golf club or a health club, that kind of thing. But, but the point is digital. And the point is for people to fall in love with their design, like get to know yourself in a way that blows your own mind.
0: I love it. I love it. As a person who has experienced the wellness club already. Yeah. It's freaking delicious. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. delicious. And I, I will talk I'm more so about that in the coming episodes. but. <laughs> I mean, I love such it. a
1: high since it like I'm like urge let's like because it's such a mastery now like understanding what you know about your own human design and then getting to play a chance to play with that I had so much fun making this. And I really just made it for myself. So I would have the place to go with all my favorite tools. And then I basically went, come, you're invited. Come hang out here with me. So I hope people really feel like a good, strong ego energy in there because everything was designed with like motivation, love you, boost you.
0: And I want people to feel that. Oh, we definitely can. I promise you, everyone, there's a, there's a heavy dose of (laughs) the ego (laughs) manifester in the wellness class and you're going to love it. All right, everybody, we are going to tune out and we will tune back in with you next week to talk about the environment variable. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to,